my name's Kevin Hodge. For those that don't know me, uh, obviously I am not Phil. Phil is uh, away this week. Uh, think of everybody that comes here periodically. You know that we try to give Phil a couple of weeks off from preaching uh, about every couple of months, and uh, just so he can focus on other ministry things. Uh, if you've talked to him, his calendar is always so full and so many demands on him. And so if we can take the teaching piece off of him periodically, we love to do that. Um, unfortunately, we all love to hear Phil. And um, when he's not here, I know it can be a, a little disappointing. Kind of like <laughs> kind of like Mike said, you can get a free get parking in the front row when he's not here. But, uh, but no, we're just, uh, but we're thankful that uh, you all are here. And we're thankful that you allow us to allow him to do that. Uh, that just uh, it means a lot to us, and so we just appreciate that so much. Um, before I start, I do want to recognize my mom and dad are here. They're sitting back here. Yeah. That's right. They've, they've been here before, but I don't think they've ever been here when I've taught. So, uh, but uh, I'm so glad to have them here. They've been married 53 years. So uh, we're, yes, 53 years. And that, that's just a huge, huge testimony to me and my brother and our families, and uh, just, just love them dearly. And it's funny, sitting there, seeing them with their smiling faces, it reminds me when I used to sing solos as a kid in the church choir. Uh, I did sing solos, Jared. And they, okay. <laughs> and they were good. They were really good. Right, Mom? They were good. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you can't argue with a mom. That's right. That's right. But no, I would sing that solo. I'd be like nine or ten. I'd look out there and make sure I did okay. They'd give me the thumbs up and the I love you sign and, and always encourage me. And I was like, you know, I did good. And then the times I got up there and made faces at the people sitting next to me, I'd get the, get the look from them. You know, it's kind of like, hey, hey, Chris Kirkland, can I go home with you tonight? <laughs> but no, they... Uh, they were just, they're wonderful, wonderful encouragement, and so I'm just glad that they're here this morning, and uh, so if you get a chance to say hi to them on the way out, uh, you can, and Linda, you can blame them, because they're the reason I'm, I'm here on this, that's right, <laughs> you do, all righty, and it's already been said a couple of times this morning, uh, what, last week was just so amazing, it was just so amazing, um, I was doing security last week, walking around, had the live stream going on my phone, and uh, it was all I could do to stay contained and not jump up and down. Uh, for a CPA, it's hard to show emotion, so I'm kind of like, whoo, whoo, you know, just doing little things as I'm walking around. But uh, it was just, uh, it was just, <laughs> that's right, but it was just, it was just amazing, and it just reminds me of what God is doing um, here at our church and how he's responding to praying, and uh, that is what I'm going to kind of take today and kind of go into some scripture with to just really encourage us and challenge us, and ultimately, at the end of the day, I want us... If, as God leads, to be able to walk out of this door, uh, praising him more for what he's doing and what he's going to do. So I pray that that's our goal and what we'll get to as we work through this today. So um, anyway, let's start. So 1857, a guy by the name of Jeremiah Lanfier, he was a businessman in New York, and he had left the business world and went to work for the North, the North Dutch Church, Reformed Church there in New York City. And he was, he was out evangelizing, and he was trying to reach people, and he was having a very difficult time doing it. And so he decided, he felt like God had led him to start a prayer time. And he tried to gear it towards the businessmen at that time, because they would work throughout the day, but they would have their lunch hour from 12 to 1. And so basically he carved out a 12 to 1 period at their church, and he sent out all the information, pamphlets, whatever, and invited people to come pray. So the first day. He goes in there, sits down at noon, and there's not a soul in the room. He's just him. 
And then five minutes pass, 10 minutes pass, 15 minutes pass. Then someone walks in. A few minutes later, another person walks in. By 1230 or so, six had gathered, and they prayed that day. Prayed till 12, then they left, but they agreed to come back the next week and pray. Second week, there was 20 that showed up. The third week, there was 40. And then, unbeknownst to any of them, that next week, the stock market crashed on October the 10th, 1857. And that weekly prayer meeting with just a few people just grew exponentially because people all of a sudden were desperate. They realized how fragile the things that they were holding on to, their treasures were, how fragile they were, and that they needed God. And eventually, that weekly meeting went to daily. It grew crowds of more than 3,000 people. They eventually had to put a tent up, and they said over the course of several months, 150,000 people came into that tent at different times and prayed. And the Holy Spirit used that to spur prayer revivals all across our country. And eventually, it says, if you go out there and look online and read some of the documentaries around it, they attest that somewhere close to a million people came to know Jesus during that time in our country that started from the praying of one man being led by God to go do it. It was called the Fulton Street Revival of 1857, one of the most amazing awakenings in our country. And, you know, I read that this week, and it made me wonder if Jeremiah, when that first day he's sitting in that room and he's waiting for people to show up, if he's like, God, were you right about this? Did, did, did you really want me to do this? There's not a soul here. Who knows? Who knows what was going through his mind? But it just made me wonder. But yet he sat there and he waited and he waited. And he didn't know the stock market was going to crash a month later. He just patiently waited on God to bring the people. And God showed up and did an amazing thing that amazed our nation and just resulted in praise to God. Um, and today, with that in mind, I just I want to take us to a very, very, very simple passage. And y'all know me, I'm not the sharpest pencil in the box, so my sermons are very simple. Um, but I just think this passage that we're going to go to today is just going to drive home just some very, very key points for us in how God is working here in our church. It'll help remind us about some things in the days ahead. So go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 5. And we're going to spend time in the first 11 verses of Luke. And this is a very familiar passage, the calling of the first disciples. And as I said, I just, I just sense God is up to something because, I mean, from the testimonies last week, not testimony time, but there was just something supercharged about what I heard last week. Um, I just sense it from the number of people that we have praying now on Wednesday nights, on Sunday mornings, and in other places. And I just I look around this room and I just see the people God is bringing into our flock. And I don't, I don't know exactly what God is up to and what he wants to do with us, nor should I. If I did, it probably wouldn't be of him. Um, I don't know exactly what he's up to, but I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. And I believe these little simple reminders we're going to go through today are going to just drive home some things we need to remember as we seek God and watch him do what he does so well. So I'm going to be reading from the NIV, the 1984 version. If You'll need to pull out your Bibles and uh, your 
iPads and stuff. I'm not going to have the scripture on the screen. If we reference other scriptures, I will have that. So you'll need to follow along with me there in your, your own Bibles. And I'm just going to highlight four simple reminders today, just four simple reminders for us. And then we'll conclude and we'll go home, um, hopefully just praising Jesus just for who he is and for what he's doing. So let's look at uh, verses uh, 1 through 5, if you'll go ahead and get there. So this is Luke chapter 5, 1 through 11. We're just going to go through the first five verses here at the beginning. This is the calling of the first disciples. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. This is also Peter. You'll hear me refer to him, Peter and Simon, interchangeably. The one belonging to Simon and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking in front of this huge crowd, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Let's pause right there. So Lake of Gennesaret, you may not have heard of that particular term. That is, the, Luke is the only one that refers to this body as the Lake of Gennesaret. And I'm trying to, let me make sure I got a little crazy there. Okay, there we go. So that's also referred to as the Sea of Galilee. So I wanted to connect that for you. So the Sea of Galilee is where Jesus performed so many miracles. Luke refers to the Sea of Galilee as the Lake of Gennesaret. And Gennesaret is that little town right there in the northwest corner of the Sea of Galilee. So they refer to it Lake of Gennesaret, Sea of Galilee. Some even refer to it as the Sea of Tiberias. A lot of those with the Roman influence will refer to it as the Sea of Tiberias or Lake of Tiberias because Tiberias was essentially the Roman emperor at that time and who that city was named after. So multiple names for it. So I just want to make sure everyone knew when we say Lake of Gennesaret, that is where this, this has actually taken place. Now go down to verse 4, and that's where I want us to pick up. So when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now, notice, put out into deep water. This is not a suggestion. Hey, if you think about it, go flop your net out there. This is put. This is a command from Jesus. Put out into deep water and let down your nets. This is a command, but not only is it a command, but it's a command with a promise. Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now, I don't know what those fishermen thought a catch was going to be, but Jesus commanded them, hey, you're going to catch. Put your nets out into the deep water, and there's going to be a catch. Now, I'm not a fisherman. I I think my dad probably took me to fish. We fished once or twice, I guess, growing up, and if we caught a brim, whoo, big day, you know, for us. So I don't know a lot about this stuff, but what I understand is they, they fished, during the evenings back at that time, all night long, uh, and they did it at night because the fish were more active at night. In the daytime, the top of the water would be hot, so the fish go low. At nighttime, they come up. Also, their nets, because they fish with nets, the nets couldn't be seen as well at nighttime, so they'd throw those out to catch, catch the fish. And the disciples obviously could avoid the hot sun there um, in Israel. So they had been going at it all night long with no results. And they're over there cleaning their nets. They're listening to Jesus teach the crowd. They probably have stopped and listened to him teach the crowd. And then all of a sudden, it's like Jesus saying, hey, gather it back up, boys. We're going to go out and do some fishing. Gather it back up. I mean, that'd be like someone coming and telling you if you owned a restaurant saying, hey, 
It's midnight. You've mopped the floors. You've got the, the seats up on the tables. Everything's clean. Let's open it back up. We're going to have business. And you're like, who's going to come in here at you know, midnight and do any business around here? That's what they're basically telling. He says, hey, get it back up. We're going to go back out there and fish. Jesus, nobody fishes during the day here where we fish. No one does that. They're tired. Their nets are being clean. If it was me, I'd be sitting there thinking, I've got to go put my nets back in the water, and then I've got to clean them again. You're going to make me do it twice? You know, that's just my mentality around stuff like that. So they would just be going all around. You know, we were out there last night and when the fish were supposed to bite, and now you're telling us to go out when they're not supposed to bite, and they're going to bite. Really? Really, Jesus? It's kind of like, for those of you that watch The Chosen, there's this little clip of the miraculous fish, and it's like Peter, Peter he's throwing the net in, and he looks at Jesus, and he goes, huh. Kind of like, I ain't catching nothing. And Jesus looks at him and goes, huh. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, whoo, you know, the boat just starts tipping all over. It's, it's a neat little thing. I was going to show it, but it was a little long. But uh, it's, it's just kind of, you can go watch it online. But, you know, there, I could just imagine Peter and those other fishermen. And they're probably looking at Peter and like, Peter, are you really going to do what he's telling us to do? Are you sure? Do you really think this is the right thing for us to do? I mean, there's this crowd over here. They're going to think we're idiots going back out here in the middle of the day and fishing. Which leads to my, the first point. <laughs> Jesus' commands may not always make sense to us. That's, y'all probably say, man, Kevin, you had to really study hard for that one, didn't you? That's not rocket science. <laughs> I didn't even sleep at a Holiday Inn Express last night either. So Jesus' commands may not always make sense to us. And I tell you what, that is so, so true. And I look around this room, and I know there's people who have been following Jesus for so, so long. And every one of you and myself, we can attest to this. When the Holy Spirit prompts us, how many times do we just sit there and we're like, Jesus, did you really ask me to do that? Really? You, you know, even though you're creator, you made this whole world, and you orchestrate the future and all this stuff, you, you know it's not done that way, right? You just really know that. And just think about how st stupid that is for us to sell that. You know, creator God, that's not how it's done here. Um, but we do that. We just have this natural thing to like, really? Really, Jesus? Do I really, can I really trust you with that? And those of you, y'all know... Um, Many of y'all know Francis Chan. He was a pastor uh, out in California and wrote a couple of books that were uh, instrumental in my life. But in one of the books, Forgotten God About the Holy Spirit, he had this illustration. It's actually in the video leading in to, the, to the, uh, the Bible study, I think, for Forgotten God. And this has just stuck with me for so long. He talks about how before he would go preach on Sunday mornings, he would go to a coffee shop, get a cup of coffee, take his Bible, drive to the church parking lot, sit out there, read his Bible, pray, and get ready for the, for the service and drink his coffee. And on this one particular day, he's sitting there drinking his coffee, and he's like, the Holy Spirit just convicted me saying, Francis, you need to go back to that coffee shop, and I want you to talk to that guy who was sitting out front. And Francis is like, what? I mean, I can drive all the way back to the coffee shop. I just walked by him. I got a, we got a lot going on here on Sunday. Do I need to... And God just kept driving it in his heart. And so finally, he's like, okay, God. He gets, drives back up to the coffee shop. And it's funny, he says in his video, he's like, I was hoping the guy had already left, honestly, so I could have to talk to him. And so he goes driving in there, and there the guy is, big, big, burly, strong guy. And so Francis goes, he said, I'll go walking up to him thinking, this is so crazy. What am I going to do? How am I going to go into this? And he said, 
I get up to him and I'm like, I know this sounds weird and all, um, but I was over there praying at my church, reading my Bible, and God just laid it on my heart to come tell you that he loves you, that he loves you. He said the guy was, had not even looked up at him. He's just kind of sitting there, and he goes, said the guy looks up, said, I don't think that's crazy. I don't believe in all that stuff, but I don't think it's crazy. And then he set his head back down. And so Francis is standing there going, Holy Spirit, what do I say next? What do I do? And then Francis goes, I just went, okay, have a great day. <laughs> and he leaves. <laughs> and and he, he shared that just saying, he goes, he gets back in his car and he's like, oh, Lord, did I just blow this? I mean, what was that all about? You called me to go tell him that. And he goes, I don't think it's crazy, but I don't believe it. Bye. You know, what, what's up with that? And he said, God just got a hold of his heart then and said, Francis, you obeyed. Um, but the key thing is, he said, what if I bring another man up to him later today? And they tell him the same thing. Do you think that would get his attention? And Francis is like, I don't know if that's what God did or not. But he said, there was just beauty in the obedience. And even when I didn't know why, I was being asked to do that. And that's why when I sit here and I see this, I just, it reminds me that God may prompt us to do things and move us in a direction that may cause us to scratch our head. He may do that individually, may do that to us as a church. And when he does that, there's, you know, you have to pause and you always have to go to Scripture, make sure however he leads, lines up with Scripture. This is so, so key. And then sometimes, depending on what it may be, we may need to go find a more seasoned Christian who has been there before, maybe get some some wisdom from them. But even then, even in all that, so often we're just tempted to say, are you sure? Do you really want me to go there? Do you really want me to engage them? You want me to give that to them? And when we ask this, this is so key for us. When we ask those questions, where is our focus? It's, it's on the command, not on the one given the command. Our focus, when we start asking those questions, is on the command, the situation. It's a, all that stuff. But it's not on the one who's given the command. And when we focus on the one who's given the command, amazing things happen. So point number two, whatever the command, put your focus on Jesus. Whatever the command, put your focus on Jesus. Again, just a simple, simple reminder. And that's why I love how Simon answers. Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, because you say so, I will let down the nets. Some versions say, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And you know, Peter, he often got a bad rap at times on some of the stuff he did. But he got it right this time. He obeyed what God told him to do, what Jesus told him to do. And again, don't forget, everyone around there is watching him. They're watching him go out. There's a big crowd there that just watched Jesus teach. They're probably thinking, he's lost it. I can't believe he's going out there doing it. He has no idea how it's going to turn out. We have the benefit of seeing that there was a lot of fish that were eventually caught. Peter doesn't know that's going to happen. And he could have focused on what everyone else was thinking, how crazy it was, but he chose to focus on Jesus. He focused on the giver of the command and not the command. 
And whoa, my, what a reminder, what a huge reminder for us when we pull out God's Word and we start reading through it and we see the commands of Jesus and how what He tells us to do. And I tell you, if we really got in His Word and took seriously what He says to do, oh my goodness, what God could do with us, what He could do with us. And if we could just approach God's Word with that same thought, but because you say so, I don't understand. You told me to do all this. I don't understand it. But because you say so, I will. That is huge. That is huge. Let me just, let's just do a couple of examples together because uh, these are things that I struggle with. Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. You see those verses, and that, that, I mean, we all can say, that is hard. That is hard to do. Jesus, you want me to, my enemy, the one that's done all these bad things to me, you won't, not only you want me to love them, you want me to pray for them, pray your blessings upon them, pray for success for them. You want me to do that for them? And just me saying that, my focus is on the command. But then when you sit there and you think about Jesus, he came to this earth, he died on the cross for all of us, shed his blood, brutally, brutally murdered, willingly. God raised him from the grave three days later so that we can have the hope of eternal life if we put our faith and trust in Jesus. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He did that for us. He gives us the hope of eternal life. And one day we can be with him in heaven. When we start focusing on that Jesus who did all of that for us, it changes our perspective. And I think a lot of times we have this thought out here of that God is out there and we make mistakes and he's just like hacking us down. But it's like Jesus is kind of like the, the mother and the father that are sitting there with their, their son or daughter that comes, they're trying to teach them to walk. And, you know, they're taking a few steps and then, you know, they hit the ground and the mother or father goes there and picks them up and dusts them off a little bit and hugs them. And then they start walking a little more. And then when they go three or four steps and make it to the arms, they're just, they hug them and they jump up and down and they're screaming like, you made it three or four steps. Oh, we're so excited for you. We love you so much. You did so well. And that's kind of like Jesus. You know, we, we, we go out there and we try to follow him and we, we make a mistake. <clears throat> and then he comes and he picks us up and he dusts us off, wipes the tears off, says, hey, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming towards me. And then we, we were successful and obey him in something. And he's so happy and he hugs us. And then he scoots back a little further. Okay, you obeyed me in that section. We're going, let's stretch your faith a little more. Stretch your faith a little more. And that's the Jesus that is right here. When you think about that Jesus who loves us so much, loves us so, so much, it should make it easier for us just to say, I know this is a hard command, Lord, but because you say so, I will. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know how praying for my enemy is going to work. I don't know what you're going to do. Um, but as you, because you say so, I will do it. When we focus on Jesus. Look at another one. This, uh-oh, I think I may have missed this one. Or did I go to? There, let me go back to this. So this is a good one. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life and what you will eat or drink or about your body and what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. 
Each day has enough trouble of its own. But I have so much good stuff to worry about, Lord. You know, I love to worry. It makes me feel like I'm doing something, you know. Let me please worry about this. I want it. I want it. But Jesus says, don't worry. Don't worry. And I mean, I, I know we all, this is, this is tough for all of us on so many fronts. Don't worry. And then when I think, this is Jesus who's in control. He rose from the grave. Why should I worry when I'm serving the creator who can change the whole situation? I, these, um, I'll, give, I'll just be transparent and give you a, a situation in my life years ago at work where I was, me and another leader were butting heads on something. Um, and it got so bad that when we were in meetings together, we weren't yelling, but we were not, it wasn't a pleasant environment. Let's just put it that way for other people to be in the room with us because I wanted things to go one way. She wanted things to go another way. A lot of work dynamics going on. And um, I don't know where it was. I don't know what I was doing. But at some point, God kind of you know, knocks on my head and says, um, hey, hey, Bozo, um, you, need to, you need to go apologize to her. You need to go apologize because as a, as a follower of me, that's just not how you need to be acting. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the, you know, that's, that's the look that I give when God, I realize God's right and I'm wrong. <laughs> okay. You know, so you go, so I go traveling back again in the work and I go up to her office and not as bad as Francis Chan, like, you know, this is going to be really weird. I just went in there and I said, you know, I have, I have just been acting horrible. And I'm a believer. And what was bad, she was a believer too. And I said, we're both believers. And how we're acting is just not good. And I just wanted to apologize for my actions. And I'm not going to do that anymore. We'll work together. We'll figure this thing out. And I'll tell you what, when I left the room, obviously it wasn't all settled. There was still things that had to be worked out. But I remember driving to lunch that day. And it was just this peace over me. And it's only a few times in my life have I had this reassuring peace that, yeah, Kevin, you, you did what I asked you to do. And um, it just, I remember, I still remember that right as I'm standing here, I can still remember the feeling just driving away that day thinking that. And just like, Lord, I didn't like doing that, didn't want to go do that. But that was the right thing to do, and thank you for leading me to do that. And not that I get it right all the time. That's, that's just one time. I've got enough examples of how I mess things up. But, um, but I just remember that. And it just reminds me that pleasing Jesus is the goal. Pleasing him is the goal. And when that consumes us, we can't help but say, but because you say so, I will. So Peter obeys. He throws it out there. And then let's pick up in verse 6 and go all the way down to 10. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken. They had a new definition of what Jesus' term catch meant. They were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Our third point, Jesus can do amazing things through our obedience. 
Jesus can do amazing things through our obedience. Now, can you imagine this scene? I mean, fish flopping all over the place, boats sinking, fish, these professional fishermen going around trying to get the water out. I mean, high energy, just, hey, you know, I can imagine just the chaos. And then there in the middle of all of that, somewhere on a boat, there's Jesus sitting, fish coming all over the place. And there's Peter, and he gets on his knees, and he says, oh, Lord, I am a sinful man. It makes me wonder if, if God in his humor has Peter's down praying, if he has a couple of fish just kind of plop on his head while he's praying. Told you you'd get a catch. You know, just kind of, I don't know, don't email me about that. I'm just thinking that may be, you know, just makes you wonder. But, you know, they're, they're so, so overwhelmed and astonished about what had just happened. Oh, my goodness. And, and, that's, and it just reminds us that when we obey and trust Jesus, then what he can do in us and through us and around us it has no limits. It has no limits. But I want to pause just for a second because we know, those of us who have been following Jesus for a long time, we know every act of obedience is not going to lead to a miraculous catch of fish. Sometimes, like Francis Chan, God calls us to do something, and we're like, what was that? It may just be to test our faith. Sometimes my, God may just be doing something to get rid of an idol in our life, <laughs> calling us to do something for, for that little, little cut he needs to do to get something out of there that doesn't need to be there. But God could be doing something big, and we just not see it. John Piper had this quote one time. He said, God is always working, so he's probably doing a thousand things around us, and we may see one or two. He's always doing a bunch of stuff around us, and we may just see one or two things if he's doing. Jesus can do amazing things, though, and he does amazing things. He can do amazing things, and he does. And I think about what he's doing right here in LifePoint, and I don't get to talk to everybody here that I'm talking to this morning, and some of you I know better than others, but when I just sit there and, and hear some of the testimonies of how God has been leading you and how you've been saying, yes, Lord, because you say so, I will, what he's doing. I mean, we've got, I just, off the, just things I was thinking about this week, we've got people going into stores, engaging with people, strangers. We've got and then getting connected to them so they can pray for them. I mean, we got people going in the workplace that are wanting Bibles so they can hand out Bibles to their coworkers. Um, we got people showing love to people when they're not getting anything in return. And I tell you, we got just this last week on Wednesday night, um, I was so, so encouraged by this. We had a young person show up say, hey, I got two friends that aren't saved, and I want us to pray for them. And all of us seasoned people that are a little older over there, <laughs> we all joined and prayed. And Lisa, my wife, she prayed that last Wednesday night. She said, Lord, just, just us being able to have this young person here praying this, that's an answer to our prayer. And it just, I look at all this, and it just is like, for me, it's just like, oh my goodness, Lord. Um, wow. Look, look at what you're doing here. Look at what these, and that's just a little bit of stuff that I know, what he's doing. And I don't know where God's going to ultimately take all of this and what he's ultimately going to do. And there's going to be battles ahead, and our, we're going to have some hills, we're going to have some valleys. I, I, I know that. But here's what I do know. He, he's honoring our prayers, and for whatever reason, he's given us glimpses into what he's doing. 
We're sitting here amazed at what he's doing. We heard it last week. We're all amazed at what he's doing. And through it all, he's getting praise for what he's doing. And that is so, so key. He's good. He can do these things. He's always doing stuff. And when he opens our eyes to what he's doing, oh my goodness, God, you are great. I am not. You are so great. And because because so many of you, like Peter, are saying, but because you say so, I will. He's doing stuff. And it just makes you want it more and more and more. You want to taste him more and more and more. You want to see him more and more and more. Which then goes to verse 11. And this is going to be our, our last point. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. They pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. They wanted more of what they just saw. Number four, our faith will grow as we see him work. Our faith will grow as we see him work. If you look at the uh, passages in Matthew and Mark uh, that most scholars believe parallel this one, Jesus' command was to follow me there at the end. Obviously, it's implied here because they left everything and followed him. But, but notice, notice the difference in verse 11 from verse 5. You know, in verse 5, Peter basically says, hey, but we fished all night and caught nothing. Has one of those, hey, Lord, really? You want us to do this? There's none of that here. Know who will take care of our family. Know who will run our fishing business. And, you know, really this request here in verse 11, 10, and 11 is actually crazier than the first one he gave them. And there's no, at least not recorded, that they questioned it whatsoever. Because what happened from verse 5 to verse 11, yes, there was a ton of fish that showed up. But what they saw, they experienced Jesus. They experienced Jesus and what he can do. They experienced it. And all of a sudden, this Lord, this Savior that we have, he can take care of my family. I'm not going to worry about that. He's going to take care of my business. Obviously, they haven't had enough fish to cover the business for quite some time. That wasn't going to be an issue. Um, even if their nets were broke, they'd go sell some fish and get some new nets. So he was going to just take care of all that. And they knew that Jesus could easily take care of them. And so their faith in Jesus just went through the roof. And so will our faith when we experience him through obedience. The more we see him work, the more we'll trust him. But later on, Jesus told the disciples what it really, really meant to follow him. This was just the beginning for them. And he said, then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. You know, when you look at, if any of y'all read Fox's uh, Book of Martyrs, it goes through all the, the Christian martyrs for, you know, the, I don't know, from the beginning all the way, Jesus' time all the way till, I don't know, the 18 or 1900s. I can't remember where it ends, but it starts off with what happened to these disciples. James was the first disciple to die a martyr's death. He was beheaded. It also says that his accuser actually came to Christ and wanted to go with James to be beheaded because he didn't want James to go along. P- 
Peter, we know, was crucified upside down because he didn't want to be like his crucified the same way Jesus was. Andrew was crucified, St. Andrew's cross. He was on the cross, it was like this. And then John, you know, had to spend all that time in Patmos isolated. Oh, he didn't die a violent death. He was actually cast in a cauldron of burning oil at some point and miraculously survived that. So these guys, they love Jesus so much and their faith continually increased in him so, so much that they willingly laid their lives down for him. And we're still talking about it today, what they did. But think about what happened to them from this Luke 5 moment where they... They followed him to their end. Think about what they experienced. Think about what these guys experienced. If you were just to take our Bible right now, and you were just to go, we had time to kind of go through all the, um, the remaining chapters of Luke, you'd see they saw him. <laughs> if you just really think about it, it just kind of blows you away. They saw a leper immediately healed before their eyes, a paralytic dropped down, to a ceiling, and then walks out. The greatest sermon of all time. Sermon on the Mount, Sermon on the Plain. A centurion servant healed just from a distance by Jesus speaking the words. A widow's son being raised from the grave. The calming of the storm. This crazy demon-possessed man that Jesus basically cast the demons out, and they saw 2,000 pigs go flying down a hill. 5,000 fed with just a little fish and bread. The transfiguration. Three of them saw the transfiguration, Moses and Elijah. Oh my goodness. And on and on and on. And ultimately, a Savior die, and then miraculously raised from the grave, and then getting the gift of the Holy Spirit there at Pentecost. Can you imagine? Can you imagine they, they lived, as their faith grew, they experienced life following Jesus. They experienced life. By losing their life, they experienced real life. By losing their life, they experienced real life. And it all started with that one thing way back here in Luke chapter 5. But because you say so, I will. Here's fish. I'm going to follow you, Jesus, wherever you go. I'm going to follow you. I just, it's amazing. It's amazing what God did through those men, and it's amazing what he can do with those that truly seek him. Before we, we conclude, though, I, you know, we, I just want to hone back in on this, because this has just been a theme, and I was just sitting there listening to Mike talk earlier in the back, and I just thought this was just so, so important. And then listening to Jaron up here when he was talking about how, you know, we, we all fall so short at times. And some of you, including myself, we hear teaching like this, and most of our testimony is, is usually like, well, Jesus, you said so, but I said no. <laughs> Unfortunately, I didn't do what you called me to do in this situation. And we have this tendency to go back and just say, man, I've just blown it, I've blown it, I've blown it. God, can you still use me? Um, can you still use me? You know, we choose to sin. Um, we may abandon loved ones. We may cheat others may refuse to forgive, may be ashamed of, act ashamed of Jesus in a social situation. We could go on and on of things where we've just blown it. And I, I'll tell you, to be honest, and I've been a believer for 35 years, and 
I still blow it. Uh, I know none of y'all find that shocking, but it's just like, I, I, just this past week or last week, I, I had to remember telling Lisa, I was like, you know, God just got a hold of me about some business stuff where those of you that are out there in the business world, you'll know this. A lot of times you'd like to put your best face forward um, when you're presenting stuff about your department or a product, and you kind of you try to not so much highlight the bad stuff, but there's a fine line there that if you do that, you're not really telling the whole truth. And there were some things going on at work where my department was getting accused of some things, and so I was trying to put our best face forward, and I was trying to control the situation, not realizing that really God's in control of it. I thought I could do it. And so as a result, God was like, Kevin, are you telling the whole truth here, dude? <laughs> yeah, that, that's, the, that's, the, that's the look, you know. <laughs> you're right, you're right. But anyway, I just share that because I was like, oh my, you know, this really shouldn't be something I'm struggling with here. I've been a Christian for 35 years. But, but it's, just, it's just one of those things where it just, he just had to, had to say, Kevin, uh-uh. And I was like, you know what, Lord, you're right. I blew it. We're going to change that. Now they're going to hear more than they want to hear about all our faults and things like that. But it's just, it's just a matter of it was just God working on my heart. And I could just sit there and think of that as I'm preparing the sermon, thinking, well, I just I blow it all. The, I'm blowing it while I'm preparing the sermon here that I'm teaching. And uh, so, but first, so let me just encourage me and encourage all of you, if you feel like you're in that, that same boat. Um, if you go to John 21, so we just had this miraculous catch of fish here at the beginning. This is after Jesus has risen. <clears throat> The disciples have blown it. They have fled from him when he was on when he was being, you know, brutally beaten up before he went to the cross. Peter denied him three times. And then here they show they're all let's just read it. So this is afterward Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, Sea of Galilee. It happened this way Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Hmm, sounds familiar. Then early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? Nope, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Hmm, that sounds familiar too. Then the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. And he goes over there. Jesus got fish, prepares breakfast for him, and he basically reinstates Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Take care of my sheep. And it just makes, I just thought that was so beautiful that though they had failed, Jesus took them back to the beginning when he said, follow me. You remember all them fish? Remember the command I gave you then? Here's these fish again. That command is still true and for you today. I forgive you. I'm just reinstating you. You're going to do great things for the kingdom. And they did. They did. Peter blew it. They all blew it. 
But because there's forgiveness through Jesus, Peter was still worthy for the mission. And despite of our failures and all these opportunities we've blown, it reminds us to go back and focus on focus on Jesus, not our junk, all our mistakes. Focus on Jesus, the one who loves you, forgives you, and can restore you. The one who takes the broken and makes us mighty warriors. The one who takes the broken and makes us mighty warriors. And if that is you, if you thought, man, I've just blown it so much, come back. Come back. He can restore you. He can restore you. Zechariah 1.3, return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you. Return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I'll return to you. So in summary, Jesus' commands may not always make sense to us. Whatever the command, put your focus on Jesus. Jesus can do amazing things through our obedience. And our faith will grow as we see him work. You know, about a month ago, uh, Phil reminded us in a sermon, which was just so good, and I just appreciate his transparency and just saying it like it is. Um, essentially, he just reminded us that the church has lost its way. We have lost the church. The big C has lost its way. And he reminded us of God's promise to the Israelites, and that those verses we quote so, so often and are so true. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. And when you think about those words, seek my face. And I know there are so many in this room, you're on your knees constantly seeking his face. Personally, you're seeking his face on behalf of our church. And we're just saying, God, what do, you, what do you desire for us? Where do you want us to go? What do you desire for me personally? What do you desire collectively? What, what is it? And just imagine, imagine what God could do with me and you, us, life point. Is that as we truly sought him, we always responded, but because you say so, Lord, I will. Because you say so, I will. Could you imagine what he could do? if that was truly our heart's desire. Look at what he did to the obedience of one man in New York City to pray. Imagine what he could do with us. However he leads you, me, however he leads our church here in the days ahead, my prayer, and I hope your prayer will be as well, may we be a church that answers, yes, Lord, because you say so, I will. Because you say so. I will. Let's pray. Lord, I am... I'm just thankful for this um, simple but powerful passage that was penned for us and that we have that still speaks to us in, in big, big ways today. And Lord, just how you orchestrated all of that and how this passage is going to continue to speak 
um, in the days ahead. And um, Jesus, you're just, you're amazing. And what you can do, um, so often I just, I just lose sight of who you are and what, what we have in you. And I, I know I'm not alone on that. And, uh, and Lord, we, we need your help. We need you, Holy Spirit, to do a work so that when we face situations and when you lead us, you will remind us just of who you are and what you can do. Whether you decide to do something or not, just the fact that you can. And uh, we're just in awe of you and are just so thankful for you. And I'm just thankful for um, just all you're doing in our, in our church and in our hearts. And Lord, I just pray for more. I just pray for more of you. I pray for more of you over this body and just pray that you would just show yourself in your timing and in your way. Uh, Lord, you're such a, you're so, so good. And Father, I pray if there's anyone here in this room right now or anyone joining us online who has never surrendered their life to you and is not able to experience the joy that comes from following you, Holy Spirit, would you just make them realize that today? And would this be the day they would grab somebody and say, I want to know more about following Jesus. Lord, maybe this be the day for them. Would you just work? I love you. I just thank you for all you're doing. I thank you for these, these dear friends that are here, and just how special they are. And uh, we just thank you for what you're going to do in the days ahead. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to a broadcast from LifePoint Church in Greenville, South Carolina. If this ministry has touched your life in some way, we would love to hear from you. Just visit our website at www.lifepointsc.org for more information. Or, if you prefer to reach us by letter, you can write to us at P.O. Box 27036, Greenville, South Carolina, 29616, USA. Until next time, may God bless you as you continue to follow Him. of my heart.